This show is supported by generous listeners like you through our Patreon. This episode is underwritten by the Tamsin G Association. To learn more about ways to support Oh My Dollar and get cool perks like exclusive live streams and a fancy special icon on our forums, you can visit ohmydollar.com slash support. Welcome to Oh My Dollar, a personal finance show with a dash of glitter. Dealing with money can be scary and stressful. Here we give practical, friendly advice about money that helps you tackle the financial overwhelm. I'm your host. Lillian Carebake. I'm your other host, Will. I, everybody knows we're not experts on cars. I think anybody. I don't know what cars are. (laughs) Anybody with like any degree of regularity listening to the show. I have never owned a car. um, So I've never never had to buy car insurance. Me neither. Which is really nice. I do watch Top Gear regularly, which is always sort of a. So pretty much you're an expert. A a character exception. But I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't know why that show feels to me as a non-car person, but it does. Uh, I mean, like, I I feel like it's very against brand, but I also like watching back episodes of Say Yes to the Dress. Yeah. Even though, yeah, like, I have no concept. interest in the wedding industrial complex. Or... I think it's intrinsically satisfying watching experts talk about the fields in which they are experts. Yeah, yeah. Which I'm not Bridal saying showers say yes to or, the dress, or cars. Really? Yeah, and I'm not I'm not I'm not buying expensive Ferraris. Yeah. Just just cheap Ferraris. <laughs> just cheap Ferraris. So I but car insurance is important. It's a really big expense for many people. And beyond my general insurance knowledge, so I, I do have a fair amount of general insurance knowledge, I there's a lot of factors that go into car insurance, um, your car type, your gender, your profession, your credit mm-hmm. score. And it's also really hard to figure out what you need until it's too late. Right. If you yeah. go if you go for the cheap insurance, you might end up screwed later. So the good news is I don't need to be an expert on everything. We have friends here at Oh My Dollar. So people that know more about cars than me. So today we have on Andrew Rose to walk us through Finding car insurance. Yes. What is it? <laughs> <laughs> How do you get it? So today's guest is Andrew Rose, president and CEO of Compare.com, a comparison site for car insurance. On In January 2012, Andrew founded Compare.com, bringing him with him 12 years of experience working with high-profile insurance companies like Progressive, Countryride, and Elephant Insurance. Compare.com was built out of a desire to to make finding the best price on car insurance a much easier, much quicker process. Before, if you wanted to find the best prices, you'd have to fill out multiple forms on several different insurance provider websites, and that could end up taking you a while. So the veterans insurance pros at Compare.com knew there was a better way to get free car insurance quotes and compare prices, so they set out to make it a reality. Andrew, so happy to have you on. Thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, as regular listeners of the show know, I've never owned a car, so I'm lucky I've never had to buy car insurance. But let's pretend that is changing. How do I go about figuring out where to get car insurance? Yeah, well, I like to turn about on this. <laughs> Name me some auto insurance companies. Um, progressive, USAA. That's it. I'm done. I can think of no more. That Well, there's the first thing. Most people can only name a couple auto insurance companies, but would it stun you to know that there are more than 300 auto insurance companies in the U.S.? Do they all operate in every state or are they very like... Great question. Great question. They do not. Uh, You only have a, a dozen to two dozen that actually operate countrywide, but you get lots of different insurance companies depending on where you are. 
that specialize in those particular geographic areas. You have Erie Insurance, for example, that's very big in the Mid-Atlantic. Mercury is a big brand out in the uh, in California and the western part. And you get different AAA companies that uh, offer insurance in different geographies. So there's lots of insurance companies out there to consider, and that's part of the problem. That's part of the process that you have to go through when you think auto insurance, uh-oh, where do I go next? We actually just had someone on the Oh My Dollar forums recently say, like, she essentially just didn't have enough spoons to function when she was eight months pregnant and they got a new car. And she was just like, I'm buying whatever insurance the dealership recommends because I I know that I'm probably paying more than I should. But I like we're just going to do a year up front and not worry about it because I can't deal with shopping around. Like, are you what's the best process for it? Like. Do you go to the individual companies? Do you go to a broker? Like, what are the different ways you can get it? All of those are options. Uh, and what you just heard from, uh, from that listener, from that person, was the reality for many, many people is this is a product that you don't want to actually buy. Right. Um, I'll, I'll actually, there, you look for other products that you are legally required to buy. There's not many of them. Auto insurance, if you want to drive a car, is something that you're required to purchase. And it's also a strange product. It's one of the few products that both the buyer and seller hope it's never used. Right. Most other products you buy, they, the, the seller wants you to consume it, wants you to use it, wants you to enjoy it. Everybody wins if the auto insurance product ultimately isn't consumed. Now, when your, your listener there said, you know, I'm going to buy the first one I find, whatever the easiest one is there, just get it done. You can do that. And then lots of people say, I'll just let it ride for a year. And that year turns into five years. Right. And in some cases, 10 years. And our data says that over the lifetime of a, con- of a driving consumer, so you're very fortunate not to be uh, uh, an auto owner in this case, but over your lifetime, you could be wasting between twenty dollars and $50,000 by not shopping around. That's um, a lot of money. It is, it's a ton of money. You're talking you know, college tuition, fantastic vacations, another vehicle. Um, it's huge money. But – most consumers go, oh, this is auto insurance. Oh, I, I don't understand it. I don't want to go through the whole process. Let me just stick with where I am. And they leave a ton of money on the table. And that's why we built compare.com. Because if you can make that process easier, imagine if you made auto insurance as easy to shop as it was for an airline ticket. I enter my details in once. I click the button. All of a sudden, I see all the flights. I can choose what I want. That's what Compare.com does. That's why we created it. So, and I mean, but that's like a great example of something where, you know, 15 years ago, it was hard to buy an airline ticket, right? Like maybe 20 years ago now. But like that is a place where the industry has really changed. And the same is true with health insurance, right? Like not only was it really challenging to find it and and get it if you were self-employed and didn't get it through your insurer or or were just not employed through an insurer that had it. But like literally comparing the different costs and everything without going to an individual, it was just really challenging to know. And like, it sounds like we're only really starting to break with tools like compare.com that that kind of old school system of like, you need to have the one person that has a relationships with the insurance providers. Exactly. It's taken a lot longer for this category. And part of it is just the low engagement nature of auto insurance. Yeah, nobody say, hey, wants to deal I, with it. <laughs> exactly. I've got a, you know, an opportunity to go to the Bahamas for a weekend. You're excited about that shopping process. 
If I say, hey, it's time to shop for your auto insurance. You, oh, uh, you know, don't I have to go mow the yard? Uh, you know, something, <laughs> you know, can I do anything other than that task, please? Yes. Um, so it's, it's a challenging category. But when people start to realize how much money they're leaving on the table, when they realize that when they're done shopping for their auto insurance, they can then go onto one of those travel sites and shop for the ticket to the Bahamas because they've saved enough <laughs> to go for the weekend. Now I like you your to get excited about it. I like your optimism. Okay, so yeah. let's let's extend this airline shopping. As someone who likes buying plane tickets, uh, let's extend this kind of airline shopping analogy a little further. So, like sure. we've talked a lot before on the show about the difference between high and low deductibles on health insurance. And like the thing when you're buying a plane ticket is you kind of know what you're getting, right? You're going to like you could get first or you could get business, but you're going to get from point A to point B. What do things like high and low deductibles and comprehensive and and, and collision insurance, what does that mean when it comes to car insurance? And, and you've just hit the main point of why people don't do this, because you just listed off about five questions uh, there that we could spend five minutes on each one. Uh, so I'll try to unpick it there and, and give you the various pieces and parts. We'll continue with the airline analogy because it seems to work for folks. Um, you can buy you know, the basic economy um, and you can buy business, you can buy first class. Um, and, you know, effectively, you got the same kind of idea in auto insurance. Now, the first thing we'll start with is insurance companies. There are so many of them. How do you tell the difference between them? Um, it is amusing, and I'm, I'm betting some of your uh, listeners will say, oh, my insurance company is great. My usual response after they ask that question, oh, so you've had a bunch of claims. Right. And they go, oh, no, 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 I haven't. It's like, well, then how do you know they're great? That so far, all they've successfully done for you is taken your money well. Yep. And they go, oh, Actually, you, you, you've got a point. And that is the reality for most of your interactions with an insurance company. The average person has an accident once every 10 years. So if you think about that, you, you don't really know what the experience is ultimately going to be like. Now, the next people thing is, okay, well, how do I know which insurance companies are better than another? Well, they're all licensed. They're all approved by the Department of Insurance. And while it is theoretically possible for one of them to go out of business, the Department of Insurance still makes sure that any of their claims are paid. Mm -hmm. So you really can't pick a terrible insurance company. Now, you can pick insurance companies that have better service levels than other ones. Um, you can pick insurance companies that have better known brands. Let's be clear. You mentioned Geico and USAA, Let me, or Progressive USAA. Let's add Geico. Let's add Allstate. Let's add State Farm to that list. You're also paying for their advertisement. Right. So if you know them well, that means that part of your insurance premium is covering the fact that they do all the different advertising. So that's sort of spot one that you need to, uh, to start with. Now, let's kick off into the specifics of, uh, of in auto insurance. There's two big parts. Um, one of it is liability, and the other is the stuff that covers um, your assets. That's the comprehensive and collision that you offered or that you talked about. So we'll cover both of those things. The liability covers others. Let's be clear about what that does. So you're driving along and you bump into somebody else. You don't want to have to pull out your wallet and pay for what you just did to their car, and God forbid if they have any injuries. Um, that's the liability coverage that you have there. And you will choose limits when it comes to the liability on there. And effectively what that is is you're setting a mark of how much the insurance company has to pay before you start having to pay out of your pocket. 
Okay, so that's how the liability coverages are. You, you, you set a limit that they have to cover to. So if you caused a terrible accident and you had 5,100 limits, 50,000 to $100,000 limits, the insurance company would cover the first 100,000. After that, if there's more damage, guess who they're coming after? Right. And that's that's where the, you know, the cr- so-called crappy insurance really comes in, right? Because people will get what's sort of the minimum required. And then if a bad crash happens and someone has to get medevaced, it will eat up that 50 or 100, 100K liability limit real quick. Gone in an instant. Yeah. Absolutely. And so most people out there will, you know, you have to legally get the minimum limit. If you have more assets to cover, so the more well-off you've done, if you own a home, you own some vehicles, you got some savings, college, those kinds of things, um, you want to better protect yourself. And then you start getting into limits that are 100, 300, or all the way up to 250, 500. And some people will get something called an umbrella, but trust me, we won't go into the details of that. (laughs) Effectively giving yourself more and more protection should you cause an accident, cause harm to somebody or some other person's property. So that's the liability part. And just as you might expect, the more coverage you want the insurance company to have for you, the more you pay for it. Now, the challenge when you're out shopping for this is making sure it's apples to apples. And to get one more plug in there for uh, Compare.com, we make sure when we shop for you that you always get the same coverage, that you truly are looking at apples to apples. Um, that way you don't end up saying, wow, I'm saving a ton of money, only to find out later on you saved a ton of money because you got really crappy coverage. You want to make sure that right. you get the right coverage for you at the best possible price. So, all right. And right. and this varies by state too, right? Because every state has a different requirement of what they say the minimum is set at. And some states will require essentially pretty high minimums to the point where you can't really get bad insurance, so to speak. It depends on your definition of bad. You are absolutely uh, correct that it's a state-by-state system. So every single state has its own rules and regulations around auto insurance, which means if you lived in California and then moved to Texas and then moved to Florida and then moved to New York, you get new insurance uh, policies every single time, even if you stay with the same insurance company. Um, what we recommend most folks is you got to be legal, go get the minimum. And then based on those assets and based on what you can spend, because that's the other part of it, it is more expensive, get the right amount of coverage for you at the right cost. It's that balancing equation. Yep. So All what, right. what? Go ahead. Oh, wait, no, go ahead. There's more. There's more. There's more. There's more. <laughs> well, we're going to move to that comp and collision part that you asked about. That's a sort of uh, question three of those uh, of those. Five. <laughs> um, this is the, the part where you go, well, I bumped into that guy and that really stinks. And I'm going to cover his vehicle and re- repair his arm. But what happened to my bumper? Well, that's comprehensive collision. That's the stuff that covers you. In this case, it's the collision coverage. And very similarly, you have, well, who pays what when when it deals with the insurance companies? Now it's the reverse of what you had on the liability. You have something called deductibles. And the deductible is effectively how much do you want to pay out of pocket before the insurance company starts paying. That's your deductible. Now, the more, the lower you want that number, the more you have to pay. So if you want the insurance company to pay dollar one of any accident, they're going to charge you a fortune. Now, if you say, I'll cover the first $2,000 on my own, thus having a $2,000 deductible, it's going to be far cheaper because the insurance company will know in many cases 
the claim, the accident will be less than $2,000. And so you really can't make a claim to us anyway. Um, and so that's what varies with the comp and collision. That's the stuff that protects you. And again, it's the decision that you have to make. How much do you have in your bank account, out of your pocket that you're willing to pay before the insurance company starts to kick in? Right. Okay. So all of these things, the, we've got this liability, we've got, we've got our own coverage for our own car. This all, there's a bunch of factors that go into this, but this is all represented by three numbers, Right. Three magic numbers. You're fifty slash a hundred, or correct. You get the. You'll typically see the fifty one hundred fifty as an example, and that fifty. This is now we're getting into the nuance of uh, insurance. You have fifty thousand dollars of coverage per accident per person, up to a hundred thousand dollars. That's for the bodily injury harm that you would do to people, and then the last fifty says this is how much I'll cover for any physical damage you do to vehicles and such. That's fifty one hundred fifty. So whenever you hear those numbers, they are slashes in there and they apply the same way. Okay. that I mean, that's good to just generally know because I feel like there's a lot of numbers being thrown around at you. And it gets very tempting to only apply the one that you know it affects you, right? So like that monthly payment or that semi-annual payment that you pay on your car insurance, like you're like, I know what I can afford there, but everything else seems just very mythical, right? <laughs> like, exactly. Because you're hoping to never have to use it. And so it's very it's very tempting to just be like, I don't know, 50, 100, two, that sounds fine. Uh, so I'm sure I'll never get into an accident, so it won't matter. Right. And, you know, of course, the next day your luck comes due. Yeah, exactly. Right. And, and uh, so one of the big things when you're looking at kind of, uh, you know, obviously it varies by state what you're kind of allowed to get. But if you have a really old crappy car and like if someone else hits it, you just want your medical bills covered. But you, like the car is going to be toast no matter what. What kind of coverage would you be going for versus if you have like a nicer car that maybe you would want the insurance company to well, pay out for? So I have an older car. I'm not a car guy. I don't really care about my car. So I got a nine year old car. And it isn't worth having comp and collision on it because mm -hmm. that vehicle gets hit. It is toast. It's going to be, you know, a, a total loss. And I need to go get a new vehicle anyway. So the cost of the insurance isn't worth it as you get an older and older vehicle. Okay. Now, there are situations where you're required to have it. And those typically are when you have a loan or it's a leased vehicle mm -hmm. because somebody else has an interest in that vehicle, the bank or the, uh, the auto company in those in lease cases. And so they want to make sure that their asset is protected. So they will require you to have comp and collision. And if a vehicle is relatively young, you probably want comp and collision on there yourself as well. The older it gets and once it comes off of loan and lease, that's when you really have to do the math yourself and go, is it worth it? Yep. Okay. All right. So... There is a bunch of different factors in here, and what kind of coverage you get is a big factor, but there are other factors. What are, like, the big five things that car insurance is basing your rates on? Great. That's a great question. So we start at the very top. Where are you? Um, it varies massively by state. If Who's expensive? one of your listeners in North Dakota, relatively cheap insurance. If one of your listeners is in uh, con uh, Connecticut quite expensive insurance. It just varies geographically. That's the first thing. Oh, okay. So they, hold on. I just want to spend more time with this because I, I, so I'm trained as an economist. And so I love to like look at the risk factors. And all I hear in that is that Connecticut has a lot of traffic and North Dakota has not that many cars. <laughs> right? 
<laughs> Absolutely. So. Uh, think about it this way. The more interaction opportunities there are for vehicle on vehicle, the greater the opportunity um, for collisions. You go out to the Great Plains, and I've had the pleasure of uh, visiting out there, beautiful long roads where you can drive for hours and not come would, into contact with any you, other vehicles. I mean, God love North Dakota, but would you really describe those roads as beautiful? <laughs> You know, I'm not going to offend my North Dakotans out there. I think they are wonderful people, just as the wonderful people of Connecticut. However, those in Connecticut tend to run into each other more often than those folks in North Dakota. Yep. So, you know, when if you're going to have more accidents, you're going to end up paying more insurance. And you also have the other dimensions of it. I bet you there's more cars stolen in metro areas than there are in rural areas. Yeah, definitely. So you're going to pay more in metro areas than you are in rural areas on average. So where you are makes a big difference. Okay, what's next? What you drive. If you drive a Lamborghini versus the entry-level Kia, two guesses which one's going to pay more, and the first one doesn't count. Uh, You know, the vehicle has a big component to this. And then what kind of driver you are. You know, if you like to collect speeding tickets and run into stationary objects, you're going to pay more than the next guy. And we talked about it. We're not going to belabor it again. But what coverages you uh, choose and how much coverage you select. Those are sort of your five points, where you are, what you drive, what kind of driver you are, what coverages you select, and how much coverage you select for each of those coverages are your big five. Now, Now, that that sort of gives you the umbrella look. When you start Mm -hmm. looking inside, you said you're an economist. So from this standpoint, now let's get into the math. The really biggest thing that influences your price, once you're inside the state, inside the vehicle, the thing that moves one person versus another, something called your insurance score. Now, what the heck is an insurance score? Well, it uses the same credit information that it, your credit score is derived from. Now, it uses it differently. They're not exactly the same, but effectively it tries to use that information to assess responsibility. And there happens to be a correlation, not a causation, a correlation between your financial responsibility and what you tend to demonstrate on the road. Right. And that is the single biggest rating variable for most insurance companies. And and there's a bunch of factors that are in that that aren't controlled in the way that they are in the credit score, right? So like we've talked we've talked ad nauseum about credit scores on on this show and one of the uh, the big things is that it, credit scores were meant to design the system to actually be fairer all the all the regulations that we passed around what could be used in the credit score, you know, you can't use gender, you you can't use employment, you can't use how much money is in their bank account in in credit scores. And there's ways to model that without actually doing it that they're allowed to include, um, some of which they use in very discriminatory ways. But, like, insurance scores are not regulated in that same way. They are regulated. Insurance is a highly regulated industry, but insurance scores are not regulated with the same kind of rules, which is why, like, men pay more, for example, well, and if you look overall at men have a higher frequency. Right. So if, if I put my, just my insurance actuarial hat on and, you know, you can always find exceptions to any of these, men get into accidents more often. Right. We deserve to pay more. I mean, this is it's a basic math for an insurance company. Whoever causes them to pay more money, they want to charge more money. Uh, too. Now, when you get back to the insurance score, 
there is a lot of regulation around it, but you're right. It is not as regulated as your uh, credit score, but they try to take out uh, certain things like, you know, medical uh, events and those kinds of things so that they don't ultimately influence. But if you have a very good insurance score, you will have very low insurance rates. If you have a terrible insurance score, you will pay a ton. And so there's some sneaky ways that you can try to not necessarily influence your insurance score, but at least what you're paying on a a basis, which might then be factored into it, right? Like if you're a college student, you usually are going to pay more because you're young, right? And we know that young drivers are more likely to get in crashes because they have less experience driving. Um, But if you get a good GPA, you can try to get a discount based on your, you know, your good GPA and you have to send in your records. Um, I know that, like, of course, because economists are very good at making arguments about about, you know, why they're good risks. uh, Economists pay less. If you tell them, like, I'm an economics professor, they'll be like, oh, you're a good risk and lower the amount that you pay. So are there like sneaky everyday ways that you can try to get a discount? Like, you know, things like good driver discounts. Right. Theoretically, it's just kind of everybody pays for it overall. Right. Yep. All right, so I got to put my um, my white hat on first <laughs> here, and I'll say, be honest, be truthful in everything you disclose there, because what you don't want to happen at claim time is them to come back and say, yep. "Well, wait a minute, you told us you were married uh, to get the uh, discount there, and lo and behold, you're not married, or you told us you had a good dry or good grades, and you don't have good grades." So. You don't want to end up at a claim situation where they're starting to challenge the authenticity of your application. Mm. Now, that said, most insurance companies don't no longer ask you to send in your grades. Oh. If you tell them you're a good student, they'll take your word for it. I guarantee you, I, I have not seen an insurance company in decades ask you to send in a marriage certificate. Mm. But you get a discount if you are married. Interesting. Um, you know, in many cases. And so you've got those that are there. Another one that is very difficult for the insurance companies to validate, but they will tend to give you lower prices, is miles driven, uh, particularly in California, where it's a required primary uh, rating variable. That's another one where you can do that. You brought up the economist. Occupation and education are really big deals for some insurance companies. Uh, Geico uh, is one that continues to use education and occupation, and the right occupations can give you quite big discounts. So one of the things that you can do is say, uh, I'm an economist. And they go, oh, okay, your price is $1,000. Well, I'm an uh, economics professor. Oh, well, that's a $900. Uh, you know, yeah. I, I work for a university. That's $1,100. It depends on what they put in the system that they've heard from you. So as you're doing it, as an example, if you do it online, you can give yourself three or four different titles They have to still describe you, but you can do that to say, hey, which definition of me for this insurance company is going to work the best price? Yeah, it's going to be the best one. All right. So it sounds like there's a lot of different ways that you can shop around uh, and like try to figure this out. How do you how do you know if what you're getting is a good rate? <laughs> right? Like like you in all of this research you you still are only comparing against your own pool of of money but like I, this is one of those things where weird we don't talk about it enough like all money things. And like how do you know that Jack around the corner isn't paying uh, half as much as you? I I wish there was a giant thing where you you can go on Zillow and see what all your neighbors' houses are. Uh, There there should be the same thing for auto insurance. So you go, wait a minute, why is 
He also drives a Honda Accord. We live around the corner from each other. What the heck? Why am I paying double? The reality of it is there isn't such a thing. Mm -hmm. But what you can do is before you tire out, most people, once they start this shopping process, only shop two or three insurance companies. And then they tire out because the process is terrible. Don't. If you're going to tire out at two or three, make sure a comparison site like compare.com is on your list because we will return back to you half a dozen, a dozen, sometimes a whole lot more than that, different insurance companies with the exact same coverages, and you can see. For some people, it's going to be incredibly validating. Oh, look at all these prices. Mine is already cheaper than this. Great. Now you know, and six months from now, you come back, and with one push of a button, you can check again because insurance prices do change. Or you come in and say, wow, it's me, my wife, our two teenage drivers, and we're paying $4,500 a year. It's not as crazy as it sounds. And you come onto our site and find out you could be paying $2,000 a year. Which is a well, big deal. That $2,500 can go a long way toward a lot of different things. Yeah, more, so, more fun then, things than insurance. <laughs> a whole lot more fun things. Let's go back to that travel website and keep checking on the Bahamas. That's what you want to be spending your money on. Don't overspend on auto insurance. So There's an easier way to do it. Just shop. <laughs> uh, so th that's actually an another question that I just generally had about this was uh, there, these are not legal in, in all states. But um, the new trend, especially among like my generation, which generally drives less, uh, is this pay per mile auto insurance. Um, and like how. How do you factor out if that makes sense beyond, like, generally knowing what your mileage is? Uh, do you have, like, opinions on that? Like, even just your own personal opinions on the paper mile insurance? Absolutely. It's not for everybody, but it is an absolute home run for others. Uh, and we include them on Compare.com as well. Um, it's a great opportunity if you look at this thing and go, you know what? My car sits around there. I drive 2,000 miles a year. And the insurance company is treating me the same as somebody who drives 10,000 miles a year. Well, do the math. What's it going to cost for you if you go to that miles uh, you know, per mile insurance? There's still going to be a base underlying cost. And then on top of that is the per mile. You should be able to do it and say, man, if it's, if it's close, just leave it how it is. Because from that standpoint, if you end up driving more, then you, you're, you're certainly covered. But if you know for sure that you are not going to drive more than 2,000 miles and the break-even on that equation is 10,000 miles, save yourself the money. Yeah. Um, they, you get the same coverages when you're driving. Um, it's just a, a smart way for those that don't drive much to get cheaper insurance. Well, okay. Andrew, it's been a delight. You've taught me a lot for sure. I have one last singer of a question for you. Do red cars pay, really pay more? <laughs> <laughs> no, but the people that buy red cars um, may have risk characteristics <laughs> that end up meaning that those people have other things that result in them paying more. So you could – it's the beautiful part of uh, you know economics. You can find that there's not a direct causation of red cars are more expensive, but there is a correlation between those two. Uh that was answered like a true economist right there. Uh, well, it's been a delight to have you on. Thank you so much for joining us and uh, filling people in. I don't think I've driven in like over eight years, so I am not the I'm not the person to give advice on this. <laughs> well, we're we're happy to be here, and uh, we hope folks will go out there save money on their auto insurance at Compare.com and help. Great, but 
go use that money for something a whole lot more fun. All right. Well, uh, thanks a lot, Andrew. And if folks are interested in talking more about car insurance, we will always continue this discussion on the Oh My Dollar forums. Maybe we can start that crowdsourced list of how much so-and-so is paying. Uh, Thanks a lot. Thank you. Well, I learned a lot from that episode. I hope that you did, too, and uh, learn a little bit about comparison shopping for what is a really unpleasant task. I feel like we've talked about health insurance a lot on the show, but uh, even more people have to shop for car insurance than have to go on to healthcare.gov to shop for their health insurance. So uh, we love hearing from you. Remember to email us your financial worries or successes at questions at dollar. Come find us on the forums or tweet us at Anomalily or at OhMyDollar. Our intro music is by Aaron Paracki, and your host and personal finance educator is me, Lillian Kerbake. Thank you for listening. Until next time, remember to manage your money so it doesn't manage you.